0: This episode is sponsored by Bilio. The team at Bilio has been working day and night to perfect and deliver a new line of Bilio masks. Each Bilio mask is made in the USA, washable and reusable, knit to shape with zero waste, and designed with a proprietary recycled polyester and ecstatic silver yarn blend that requires no post-processing. Bilio is proud to see design taking the lead on solving the main issue of keeping medical supplies available for those that need it most. They are taking orders from their website, biliomask.com. That's B-I-L-I-O mask On this episode, we have Daniello Alvarez. Daniello was born and raised in Cali, Colombia. He came to the U.S. and landed a prestigious job in advertising. He has worked for Bates, a WPP firm, Young & Rubicam, Disney, and the Discovery Channel. He has traveled the world pursuing his passions of motorcycling, paragliding, and photography. He recently launched his own advertising agency, focusing on his lifelong desire to facilitate the interpretation and expression of ideas through creative content across cultures.
1: Daniello, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
2: and so uh, I feel so good that you wanted to share uh, my story with your listeners. In the time that we that we've been together, that we've been friends, uh, I do remember the first time that we met. We were the only two guys in the room yes. <laughs> and that that definitely drew us together, and that was that was a great conversation we had that day, and we immediately became friends. And uh, I gotta tell you something that I did um, admire about you from the beginning was your impressive Spanish. I am every time that you and I speak, we speak Spanish, and I need your your listeners to know that and i enjoy speaking spanish to you because it's uh it's so uh, you you speak so well and and you're so passionate about other cultures and about art and about understanding people and i feel that's where you and i connect and that's why i'm so happy that you have this podcast and i'm so proud to be part of it
1: Daniela, thank you so much. Um, It is always a joy to speak with you in Spanish. I get very shy because I feel like sometimes I'm not able to hold the conversation well enough. And I I, I struggle with it. But um, uh, uh, with your help, I get better. So I appreciate your... Uh, 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 I, I pre- thank. I, I thank you for your patience.
2: <laughs> it's a pleasure, and you've never not been able to not being able to to follow the conversation. So that's why it is a joy, and it's also really easy to talk to you secretly when there are other people around <laughs> that don't speak Spanish. So yeah, it has right. helped us a lot.
1: It's a brilliant tool. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, you are in your birth country at the moment Mm -hmm.
2: yes that's correct i'm i'm in colombia stuck with uh with the whole covid pandemic but i am voluntarily stuck to be honest with you because um i'm here with my mom and uh i at the beginning i thought hey i'm gonna go take care of my mom and to be honest with you uh, something that I enjoy about this life that we live is that it keeps surprising us. And my mom is taking care of me so well. well
0: I, I had no idea
2: that I, when I got here, my whole body was in total imbalance. Yeah. And she's a wonderful uh, healer. She's a great healer. So she's healed me. So I can't say that I'm here to help her. I feel like it's been an amazing experience in which we have helped each other um we are uh, writing a cookbook together of all those recipes that i grew up loving and that i never thought i would be able to rescue well now they will be immortal after this fantastic situation and very serendipitous with this whole COVID thing
1: no that's really lovely and your mother recently celebrated a milestone birthday and you took her on a cruise
2: to be honest with you the thing that she loved the most about the trip, obviously she enjoyed um spending time with me, but she definitely loved just sharing these memories with her Facebook buddies and with her, you know, WhatsApp friends oh, so that everybody okay. saw how cool okay. her yeah. 80th birthday was.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. Well, and you gave that to her, so kudos. Thank you. Um, uh, well done. Um daniello i see a number of photos behind you um tell us about your family you have siblings i do
2: have siblings i have two half sisters and one full sister in the back you'll see some of the pictures there are one picture from the army when i went to the army okay wow i was in the army for a little bit and uh, it was a it was a wonderful experience because i was a very sheltered child i grew up with asthma you and I spoke about this when I was a little kid. I was very sheltered. Um, mm. And that obviously created a, a, a bubble around me, um, which was very tough to get out of. So when they told me that I was going to go to the army, my parents immediately erupted in, in ire. They were like, no, he can't go to the army. He will die. And I said, like, I need to go to the army. Just let me do this or I will not be able to face Whoa. life. So I did that was my first adult decision. I was say eighteen years old. I went to the Army, and it was an incredible experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, not while I was there, but sure. but afterwards afterwards, yes. I realized that That's I had true. become a man to have responsibility and some kind of accountability for my own actions. Um, when you grow up in Colombia at the time that I did um uh, parents take a lot of care of you know they they just shelter their kids uh in my case i didn't want to be this person i really like you said i wanted to explore the world i wanted to Amazing. travel and and see what the world was all about and to do that i needed to get out from under my mom's skirt the way you say it in spanish you no know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, like a spanish expression
1: wow oh, that's fantastic Well, and uh, so thanks for talking about the photos behind you. Um, I do have to ask this question. Um, On your LinkedIn profile, there is a profile photo. I mean, there's your profile photo, and then there's a photo behind you of a lot of very good-looking people. Um, Are those your friends?
2: (laughs) That is so funny that you ask me. You know,
1: um, uh,
2: I've I've worked for very big companies in the past. Um, My whole life, I have been a corporate, corporate worker. And um, and recently I met someone who blew my mind and told me, you don't have to work for someone. And I'm like, what do you mean? And my whole brain kind of glitched because that's that's the formation that I had. My parents and everybody behind me and around me told me, you you go to school, then you find someone worthy of working for, you know, and then you retire when you're 70. And that was life for me. And, uh, and and one day I met this very good friend who you know too, Jonathan. And, and he told me that that's not the only way to live. And I have lived my life uh, so interested in the variations of, of thinking, of culture, of life. And I had never think differently for myself. So I decided to start my own company. And I put all of my, um, my education and my experience towards doing that and the first thing i needed to do was to change my linkedin from i am someone who works who works for someone else into i am someone who has you know his own company mm-hmm. and uh, and when i created my profile i f- i felt like i needed a banner that showed the people that i worked with or for i i do hispanic advertising or advertising for the hispanic market so i wanted to show like a, a segment of, of the population that i that i'm able to communicate with as you know uh, as, a, as a portrayal of you know my job so when people went into my LinkedIn profile, it was like, okay, he's able to, promote, or what he does is communicate to these people. So that's why I put there. It's actually a stock, a stock image. So <laughs> they are very good looking to be, to be my friends. as you.
1: <laughs> okay, I know how much, uh, or sorry, rather how important media production is for you, mm-hmm. and you yeah. are really a Renaissance man when it comes to this. There is nothing you can't do. You do photography, you do videography, you, you understand copy, you understand um, uh, visual appeal. So, when did you first have the sense that this was something you loved growing up? Well,
2: child? I, I love that you asked me that question because I have been thinking about that myself. Um, I, I do all of those things but my first love and the reason why I am in this business is creative adaptation language adaptation um i remember when when i was a little kid and i grew up in a in a catholic household um there was this little book that um whenever i had free time or you know the free time of a little kid i would walk around and look at my dad's books and look at all these books and, and i thought they were so interesting and there was this one book about the uh, uh, Holy Father, Mm. the Holy Father, in the original uh, language of Christ. And I thought, Aramean, right?
1: Aramaic, uh, wow. Yeah,
2: Aramaic, in Aramaic language. So the book was was talking about how the adaptation of the Aramaic language of, of of the Holy Father uh in the aramaic language two other languages had lost a little bit of its of yes. its um, nuances Absolutely.
0: yeah
2: and immediately i fell in love or or immediately there was a there was a, a there was a spark that went off like i wonder how it is or what happens when you go from one language to another and that stayed kind of dormant in the back of my mind
1: and How old are I, you when that happened? I don't
2: know, maybe six, I don't know, maybe six, wow. seven years old. Okay. It, was, it didn't really register until I was much older.
1: Sure, but the seed was planted.
2: It, it was definitely planted that day. And as I, as I grow up, my life starts kind of staying towards the, that side, the side of, hey, I'm going into another culture, and I really want to be able to communicate an idea. Facts are easy to communicate. Ideas are incredibly hard, as I say on my website. It becomes super complicated to transfer an idea from one language to another because it's very culturally charged. Especially ideas—they come charged with with a lot of cultural nuances. So that became my talent, and by talent, I mean my interest. And as I grew up, I started working at, at Disney. When I started my first job at Disney was very funny. Uh, They came up to me and they said, "Okay, the first your first uh, yellow shoes. Your first job is gonna is gonna be to translate." And and the word translate for me is kind of weird, so I always say, "Hey, adapt, adapt, translate. (laughs) That's not what you want to do." But your first job is gonna be to translate the guide to Disney World. And I start reading this guide that was already translated to Spanish, but it's, it was so badly translated. And I remember that uh, one ride, the, the Snow White uh, Forest or something would say, Walk into this lustful forest. <laughs> and I remember, I'm so happy that you called me. <laughs> Thank you for calling me to do this because you're. The Snow White's forest is not going to be lustful anymore after today. And, and after that, I, I realized that that was my passion. It was really to correct those errors that people made um, when they were translating things and really start, start adapting ideas um, to other languages and, and really uh, rescue the nuances of idea communication.
1: Well, and um, there really is no substitute for the original language. Um, translation can only get so close. But there are so many words that have nuances that we can't really translate. Like, um, I mean, even the word like, uh, simpatico. Yeah. In English, it's like, well, friendly. Not nice, really, right? Yeah. But it doesn't capture mm-hmm. that. Uh, or, uh, mis compañeros. Yeah. Okay. Cerveza Uh, fria. Right?
2: I always try to tell people there is no substitution for the words for cold beer in your own language. You see cold beer somewhere in your language, and it's like, I want one. You see it in another language, it's like, I know what that is.
1: The thirst. (laughs) starts yes. in your own language. Yeah. And you yeah. know what,
2: in my, throughout my, my many years of doing this, I've had to do uh, original creative for people who are sitting there in English, trying to understand what I'm, I'm explaining to them, right? So if I'm trying to explain a TV commercial to someone who has never seen a Latino family, right, and, and does not understand the dynamic of a Latino family, there's a lot of explaining that I need to do. I can't just start by saying, so the mom, you know, walks into a room with a with a flip-flop in her hand. It's like, what, you know, what, what is he going to do with that? Yeah, you know, yeah. um, so I had many clients throughout my life, like Wendy's or the U.S. Navy, that I had to walk in and really kind of give them a really quick idea of what, of what, uh, what, Um, certain things meant in our culture and I I was very lucky to to have extremely uh, smart and um, inclusive people, inclusive minded people.
1: I really appreciate the fact that cultural nuance is what is so passionate to you. Um, uh, I mean this is one of the reasons why I I like to maintain and and study my Spanish because great literature has come out from uh latino america and of course from your home country gabriel garcia marquez yeah great Who, interestingly so you know i suffered through cien años de soledad mm-hmm. and you get to the end of it and it turns out that the code is in sanskrit
2: <laughs> but i didn't know you were a fan of gabriel garcia marquez
1: oh huge huge fan so you talked already about some of the clients you had including the u.s navy but uh, before your in-house Disney job with Yellow Shoes, you were doing agency work in Florida. You were with Bates South, Accent Marketing. Were there some memorable client engagements at that time? Yes, very much.
2: Uh, I started, I started at, at Bates. That was, you know, for the people who remember advertising, you know, old school like me, Bates <laughs> was one of the biggest advertising agencies in in the world it was part of wpp wonderful agency um, great great agency with amazing thinkers and there was no way i could have gotten a job at that agency no way i was a colombian dude with no papers coming to the united states with a student with a with a tourist visa um and my best friend who was my companion and, and also my, my designer, I'm a copywriter. He's a designer. We were trying to find a job for the two of us. So we walked in. We were like, hey, we're two guys. And they're like, do you have any papers? And we're like, yeah, but not the ones that you can work with. And, <laughs> and then we were so lucky that after we left from that agency, <clears throat> there was a huge hurricane coming. Huge it was massive. It was like Andrew type of, of hurricane. And, uh, and everybody got super scared. And everybody who worked at Bates left. And there was a big campaign that was due Whoa. like the next week. And it was for Latin America. So they didn't care if there was a hurricane. It was for Mercedes-Benz Latin America. It was a big deal. And they needed somebody to do it. So the first thing that they, that they thought was, let's call those Colombians. They don't care if they die, <laughs> you know. Nobody cares if they die. Just call them over. We'll all leave. Wow. We'll all go spend the hurricane all the way in the west coast in Naples, and we'll let them, you know, do the campaign. To us, by the way, we were already getting into my nineteen eighty four uh, crappy uh, Honda Civic. That I purchased for seven hundred dollars, I got totally ripped off there. And uh, and we were we were heading out to Naples when they called us, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come back and work?" We're like, "Yes." <laughs> On our way back, my friend Mauricio and I were thinking, "Wow, this might be our chance. This might be the chance that we've been working waiting for because we had been to every other agency in Miami. Nobody had given us a chance." And, and he's like, are you worried about the hurricane? I'm like, it's wind and water. How bad can it be? <laughs> of course, if you've been to Colombia and anywhere down here, we don't know what a hurricane is. <laughs> right. You know, we've never seen anything like that. We've never really had to struggle with, with anything but a really bad long rain. <laughs> so we're like, let's just do it. Oh, God. We had the scare of our lives because we had never seen so much water. We had never seen horrible winds. And the fortunately, the time that we spent at the agency, even though we were the only ones there, got us uh, you know, the opportunity to stay there. And we worked there for a few months, kind of under the table in a weird way, right. until they decided to keep us after oh, testing God. us against, I don't know, 15 other candidates. It was just oh, the God. most... Yeah, the, the the biggest rush I've ever had in my life. And it lasted three months. <laughs> okay. At the end of it, when they gave us, when they extended to us the invitation to come work with them, it was, it was such a, um, you know, it, it was like a, a dream come true, to be honest with you. So, uh, at, you know, at that age, maybe I was 25, 26 years old. My my American dream was really started to, starting to come true. And it felt amazing.
1: Wow, well done. <laughs> Good job and coming back and fighting through the elements to have that experience. That's, wow, that is really incredible. So yeah, I would say that's definitely very um, memorable for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, especially in Miami at the beginning. I never thought this beautiful paradise, you know, with, with palm trees and and sandy beaches could turn into such a nightmare but yeah yeah. and it was a different miami you know back then it was a completely different little town
1: yeah yeah no for sure well so uh we talked about your experience at disney being in-house at yellow shoes and and translating the lustful um snow white into something wholesome and acceptable Uh, uh, you know, she had to approximate the virgin. It wasn't wouldn't have worked otherwise. But then here comes uh, Young and Rubicam, mm-hmm. Y and R, and yes. uh, they snatch you away. They see your talent. Yeah,
2: I was at what Disney. Am- I, I was at Disney to be honest with you. I loved Disney. I hated Orlando. Orlando, and I just didn't didn't see eye to eye. You know, it was a very family oriented city. Uh, I was I was trying to mingle and I was trying to share my culture and and, and learn from the American culture and uh, it was a very um, closed uptown you know uh, whenever I went out and try to meet people which is something that I really enjoy doing as you do it was it was very hard like I could I just couldn't break through um, however I did meet a lot of very good people wonderful people but they were all married and they didn't have cute younger cousins you know anything like that so so it was just it was not working it's not working i had already gone to every single park so it was a great experience but i really was um i was interested almost um mystified by the by the american culture I really wanted to understand what was so magical and, and amazing and beautiful about the American culture. About a year and a half into it, I received a phone call from, from, uh, from YNR uh, inviting me to come to New York. And when they said the words New York,
1: <laughs>
2: I immediately thought, this is my life. This is how the rest of my life is going to be. I'm, I'm about to move to, to the city that I've always dreamed about right wow okay
1: so you didn't say no you took the job
2: I took the job immediately Um, thankfully I was gonna work with with a few people that I had already met in Miami Mm -hmm. and um, and also I was gonna meet some new people some amazing creatives that I'm still very close close friends with and and it was an amazing experience but it was also the first place that fired me. You believe it? No. And I I do think that everybody needs to get fired at least once in their life. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful experience. It this really puts stuff in perspective. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I was a big fan of um of a Spanish creative called Tony Segarra. Probably the greatest creative in, of my, uh, my education phase. Um, he was a, a brilliant creative who came up with amazing campaigns back in the day when advertising was so different than if, if anybody has ever seen Mad Men, which I haven't. Um, you have not? No, I have not. It, it's it, it, Advertising has changed incredibly, incredibly. And, and it's something that I, I feel very proud about keeping up with advertising as time has gone by because really it has it has completely changed um but tony used to say that you you are not a creative until somebody has fired you because uh being fired really requires you to reinvent yourself to to bring out your creative thinking and apply it to yourself otherwise you will always be creative about someone else's work and never about yours
1: wow okay so you uh you pulled it off uh, i right? i followed
2: yeah. I followed this <laughs> advice
1: <laughs> not voluntarily <it>. though <laughs>
2: not voluntarily
1: <laughs> uh, wow extraordinary well and then you were with um uh, two firms before you made it to Discovery, um, D'Exposito, and uh, is it pronounced Kignition?
2: Kignition was uh, a, a, a very interesting company. I, uh, I worked with them, but not, I was not part of the company. Okay. I, was, um, it, I had already started my own company. When, when I left Disney, I knew that nobody would do a better job than I did at Disney, adapting their creative. Just because I had lived the culture, I understood exactly what this, what the Disney culture was about. Mm -hmm. So I could write about it. Because it's not just about translating, like you say, it's about writing creatively about a certain culture Mm -hmm. in your language. Uh, It it does help, or it, it is part of what you do to see what other creatives are doing in their language in english and and grab that and then create something in spanish from the creative that they've done and something that fits with the creative that they've already presented and gone you know through a whole process um, so when i started cognition, i had already started my company that my first client was disney uh my second plan was ignition ignition was a, a, a fitness company uh, kind of similar to zumba and if if oh. the founder heard me say that <laughs> he would probably curse me uh but uh it was it was similar in the sense that it was also movements to music yep. which you know from the days of the vikings we know that exercising to a beat
1: Yes. gives you endurance exactly. uh,
2: why because the rhythms move our world rhythms move our universe and if you if you fit into a rhythm everything just flows yep. and so they had discovered the the, the idea of general of, of energy generation through rhythmic rhythmic movement it was a wonderful company with with great thinking um but very little experience in that world so they uh if if they failed if they failed because of their lack of experience they hired me for their marketing um oh, they had they they had they had bigger bigger problems upstairs um but i had a great job doing the marketing and we we achieved what we wanted to do which was to sell the brand to a bigger media company so that was that was the objective from the beginning but to do that i needed to do like what every single fitness company does a before and after if you're a fitness company you don't have a before and after then you don't have marketing but the funny thing is that there weren't any instructors nobody could teach anybody and there was no way to do an after because there were no instructors to take students from the before to the after so i took it up. i took it upon myself to become a fitness instructor which i had never been
1: wow fantastic and it was the only
2: way to do it because the oh, the instructors man. who were actually instructors they had no students because every time that they came back to their gym with their new program nobody wanted to take it because you know, for a, for, for a gym to accept a the program, there has to be demand. And there was no demand for something that had no advertising, that yeah. had no knowledge, that it has no, yeah. no awareness. So it's like the chicken or the egg, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to become an instructor, and I'm going to figure out how to start a class, and I'm going to teach these people something, and I'm going to take their story from the beginning to the end. And I decided to do that over six months. So I brought a group of people together and I said, does anybody want to do a Tough Mudder? And the Tough Mudder at the time, it was a very, you know, a very demanding race that would require you to run a bunch, but then also to be very strong because you had to deal with certain obstacles. So a few of my friends said, yeah, I'll do a Tough Mudder. Others said, you know what, I want to train, but I won't do the Tough Mudder. In the end, I had a, pretty solid group of 12 people who would do a before and after with me and um and i and we did it we we did it before and we did some interviews at the beginning and i i had to train for three months just to become an instructor three months every single day twice a day what? just to get my body in shape and to understand what this whole thing about being an instructor was, because it's very difficult. I had to scream, pretty much I had to yell orders for one hour while I did very, very demanding exercises. Mm. I had no idea that was so incredibly hard. So I trained for three months, twice a day, then I got certified as an instructor, then I started my group, and for six months, I trained these people who went from housewives, to, to asthma kids, to overweight ladies, to way too skinny people, to exercise from, I don't think I can do an exercise program to people who were as strong as I was.
1: Amazing.
2: And it was one of the most
1: well.
2: incredible experiences of my life. Just to see people, just to see my friend Juan Le go from, He's walking into the class with an asthma pump, and he has to pump it twice, and he misses sixty percent of the class. To seeing him, how he is now, which is a ripped dude, and I know that I started that because I was the one who was able to take him from two pumps at the beginning, two pumps at the middle, two pumps at the end to no pumps
1: <laughs> during
2: a whole freaking one-hour class. Well so, so that was an incredible experience, and. And, and it was also uh, it was also my my little project with people who believed in me, and so it was really the first time that I felt okay. I have a following, even if it's a small following. I have people who will believe in me, and I will not let them down.
1: Amazing, well done, Daniela. So uh, the company gets sold. And then you make your way to Discovery, and you're there for five years, which was quite a long time for you.
2: Yes, um, it it was it was a difficult time when I started at at Discovery. My job was to be international creative director at Discovery, which is a it's a beautiful title. I felt I made it. You know, this is the company where I will retire, and and this again is that you know again that that feeling that you you're supposed to go to school, get a job, find a really good employer, and stay there until you can't work anymore and then retire when you're 70 and sit you know, under a palm tree in Florida.
0: <laughs>
2: and in those five years, um, I've always said, I'm not a very religious guy, I'm a very spiritual guy, but I always think that since my mom is really, really good friends with God, then I kind of have an in with him. And so during those five years, it was like, it was like, um, planting rice in the desert is really impossible. Like everything I tried to do, I tried to do for myself, like everything that I believed that that company needed to do. I never had a path. I did my job, you know, and I, you know, whatever they asked me to do, I would do it. Um, and, and they were happy with my work, but I was never happy with what I, what I could do for that company.
1: I well, exactly, there, there was no way for you to grow. There was no way for you, your ideas were not being appreciated. You had a way to make it a better place, but they weren't going to listen.
2: At least in my mind, yes. I, I, I believe that I had an idea of, or I had constant ideas of how to make this, how to bring this company to the future. Um, of communication and 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 I I really believed that I could do it I really believed that I had the passion and the experience and and the ability to connect with others but it never worked out it never worked out I was always an outsider in that company Um, and you know slowly but surely my job started to become less important less important for them less important for me And I I had an idea at a certain point throughout the process that if in five years I was not super excited about uh, working at Discovery, I would just jump off and see what happened. And and it was exactly five years later. I went from October 2013 Mm. to October 2018. And that's when I said, okay, this is it for me. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's wow. not, definitely not
1: gonna be this. You held um, your that. I'm so impressed with you, Daniela. Well, yeah, I that jumped ship. that ship like a rat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and and to be honest
2: with you, it, it was the best decision I've ever made. It it didn't feel that great when I was when I was making it. It, it felt great when I when I actually realized it. But uh, but the moment I said I'm going to leave Discovery, there was this thing like wait a second you are under you're under this you're in this beautiful house and you're gonna walk out into that jungle out there like why you know just stay here you know you're getting a nice check you're getting good get benefits you're getting shares of the company just shut up you know just do your work you know and and i felt like i was I was so diminished from the idea of that kid that went to the United States looking for, you know, for looking to be meaningful in the world and looking to explore and looking to, to find his place in the world. Um, I had become a, a, a soldier and, a, you know, and not not to diminish the job of our soldiers and the, I have huge respect for the military, um, but I had become... Someone who had no uh, no purpose
1: yeah, your soul wasn't in it you were your ideas weren't being appreciated when you say soldier, it means that you were given instructions, you completed your duty, and that was it you had, you felt nothing about it, there was no emotion around it and I, I can't imagine that for you, Daniela, because I know you well, and I know how important it is for you to be engaged in what you're doing and love what you're doing so brother, you made the absolute right decision well done
2: yeah it was it was a tough one but the moment i left um opportunities started to appear uh, to appear again my mom's homie was there saying you did a good job um here's this and here's that and here's this other thing and friends started showing up from different places mentors started showing up from from everywhere and and certain experience that i had uh, Throughout my life, started becoming, you know, meaningful for this new stage. Uh, for example, one of them, and probably one of the ones that changed my life uh, more impressively, was learning to ride a motorcycle off-road. If you've ever ridden a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle is a it's a fantastic experience. Riding on the road is really nice. You know, you you, you bank down in the curves and you feel like the wind is blowing your hair. Riding off road is a completely different experience. It's very technical. The type of terrain completely changes your technique. Um, it's very uh, exhilarating. And at the same time, it's a total meditation experience. You have to be completely balanced as your body is pumping adrenaline like crazy. Yeah.
1: Um, You have to be totally present. And you used this when you motorcycled through Morocco.
2: Yes, motorcycling in Morocco was probably one of the most mind-blowing experiences of my life, especially because it was the ending of a, a stage of my life. What I learned in that experience was that if you keep doing something, you'll eventually break through. Even if the time that you're working towards it is painful and you fall and you fall. Even if you think you have a little bit of a breakthrough and then go back three steps, one day, all these clouded uh, sky will just open up and you will understand things that are magically appearing in your mind. And that happened to me in Morocco. When I arrived in Morocco, my, my legs were shaking. I had no idea I was going to be able to complete this adventure. It was six days of riding through hell and hell and heaven at the same time, because Morocco is such a gorgeous country full yeah. of fantastic people.
0: Yeah.
2: And, uh, and I didn't think I was going to make it. And two, two days into the adventure, my mentor had an accident and he had to peel off. He could not finish. Oh, wow. So I was thinking, how am I gonna do this without having him in my Cena talking to me? Because he was always two steps ahead of me, sure. saying there's a hole in the road, yeah, stay this, left, stay. It yeah. yeah. It's watch out for deep sand, you know, yeah. watch out for mud. Hey, stay on your on your back wheel because it's gonna get really muddy and you're gonna bury your front wheel, stuff like that. Suddenly I had no one. And I was going through this with like just like Dumbo without his feather, you know, it's just yeah. like that. And um, and I realized that I could do it when I came back from Morocco. There was a big rally, uh, the, the Pine Barrens 500, which is a, a very well-known rally in the in, in the New Northeast. <laughs> yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah. And, uh, and and I for the first time I was going there without my mentor. And then I see all of the guys that I used to ride with, the guys who saw me break my, my rib, the guys who would leave me all the way behind because it was a pain in the butt to ride with, with me. And, and we were standing there all together and they're like, oh God, you know, I wonder what this is gonna be like. A scene. I rode like the freaking wind, man. I rode like the wind. I left these guys on the floor. The last guy riding with me, this really deep sand full of ruts, curve that was going up and turning right, impossible to go through. I saw one by one of these guys who are now very good friends. I love these guys to death and they did what they needed to do at the time. But as we were going up this really complicated trail, I started seeing them all either falling or stopping one by one. And I was on the back from respect to them. I was on the back of the group and I started seeing them one by one. They were like peeling off, falling, or stopping one by one until I got to the front. And when I saw Tim's face, Tim is an amazing writer, incredible advertising director. He turns and he sees that the guy next to me is to, to him is me. And the his face just seeing his eyes through his goggles through his helmet just seeing the expression on his face seeing me passing him was like what in the world is going on and then i can hear his voice yelling freaking danilo (laughs) and i pass him i get to the top and i stop there and i see them come up And the first thing he says when he arrives is like, so Morocco was good for you. And I'm like, yeah, Morocco is really good for you.
1: Uh, uh, That's an extraordinary story. What a phenomenal ending. Well done, my good friend. (laughs) And of course, um, we have a shared experience in Morocco together from last year. Uh, There were no motorcycles involved, just so that our listeners know. Um, because, um, uh, yeah, I definitely would have been the far end of the pack and there's no <laughs> chance or scope for me to be surpassing you. I'll
2: mentor you, Asim. I'll be the one.
1: I need your help, brother. That would be great. Perfect. Um, you also had this amazing life-changing event, uh, a visit, rather, to uh, to India.
2: India is... Oh, my God, I have such love and respect for India and Indian culture. Um, I used to fly paragliders. That was, that was my sport when I moved to Medellin. I, I grew up in a city in Colombia called Cali. From there, I moved to Medellin. I, I made a group of friends who were paragliding pilots. And so from the beginning, they, they got me into it. And it became my, my passion besides scuba diving scuba diving was something that i took on when i was 16 years old but here i am in medellin i'm 20 22 years old and somebody tells me would you like to fly i'm like i'm more of a water guy i'm not really (laughs) much of a a, an air guy and he's like no you're gonna love it whatever so i start flying when i move to the united states i'm in miami there are no no mountains and to fly you need mountains so or at least to fly paragliders so i made a very good friend my friend sebastian pardo who you know we're, we're still very very good friends um and he is a pilot that's that's his life so i also had a very good mentor for my paragliding um, sebastian and i try to fly in miami with many different contraptions that almost got us killed but eventually you know we decided we we need to go on a trip we need to go somewhere else so we decided to go to India to go paragliding and and paragliding in India had just been discovered in Himachal Pradesh a beautiful area in the north of India very close to Pakistan and right next to to Tibet and uh, that area it's very close to an area called, uh, to a city called Dharamsala, which is where the Dalai Lama lives. It's a, it's, a, it's a place, a very mystical place, full of monasteries, gorgeous area, beautiful, huge mountains. It's right in the Himalayas. So when you when you go to this place, there's a vibe that you immediately take. Right now, it's become very commercial, but at the time, nobody knew about this place. We were, the, we were a few of the first people flying it. Um, so we did get to fly some of these amazing places and and get in touch with the culture, get in, la- in touch with the Buddhist Lama, get in touch with the Hindu religion, which today is to date is ha- it has to be my favorite religion because wow. it's the most dramatically charged of all,
1: <laughs> and I love
2: that. I love drama in yeah, a religion. It really feels like all of these uh, deities. Yeah. It's all about the drama and 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 it's the symbiosis of the of the deities and the people. You know, you pray for me, I'll give you favors, but if you don't pray for me, then I'm no one. It's very human, you know. It's a, and they get angry, and some of them just get go crazy. And, and and they have dramatic episodes, like when Shakti almost destroyed the earth. So her husband had to lay down on the floor and the moment she was about to stomp him to death she realized oh my god I love my husband I can't heal, kill him so stories like these are very typical of, of uh, Hinduism and I absolutely love learning about it um, I remember reading on my way to India if someone has not read this book I, I beg you to read it I'm not religious it's a, it's, it, it is a, a book based in religion but it's not a religious book called Life of Pi. Please True. don't compare it in any way to the movie. The movie didn't get it. The movie, I, I don't even understand if Ang Lee actually read the book. It doesn't seem like he did. Because it's not about what, whatever the hell he did that movie about. That's not what the, what the book is about. Um, but on my way there, I fell in love with Hinduism. Um, and, and I learned a lot about, um, you know, other religions. Uh, there is a, he, the character goes to a, to a mosque and he also goes to a Jewish temple as well as to a Hindu temple. Uh, and that's really what the story is about. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I arrived there, I had a very mystical experience, very uh, introspective experience. I had a, an incredible culinary experience because I, I ate some of the most incredible food I've ever had in my life and I also met incredible people, but probably the most impressive part of, of, my, of my journey was that I was there during Dusera, which is this like that. thing that I guess compares to our Christmas maybe, um, which is a, the-, well, the, the, the
1: also, That's a day or two before Diwali.
2: See, I, I think I missed Diwali, but I, I was there for Dusera in this little town Amazing. And I got to right. see a representation of it because they kind of do a little theatrical representation. of yes, yeah, of, the um, killing
1: of Rao and the Beast who lives in Sri Lanka, apparently.
2: Right, right. <laughs> so
1: I really enjoyed that story, you know, Rama
2: versus Ravana. And, oh, it's really good that this... you
1: remember that. I mean, I, I don't oh, think yeah. I have any friend. <laughs> My Indian friends don't even know about this. You know.
2: <laughs> well, it was a very, a very special experience for me because... I was the only non-native there or not, you know, the only person who was not from the town who was sitting there and they saved the only chair for me. And I was like, I was trying to get these older ladies who were sitting on the floor to sit on my chair. They were like, no, that's her chair. And in the middle, in the middle of the show, they stopped the show and they brought me up to the stage. And there were at least 500 people just cheering for me i had no idea why and um, and i remember they just gave this speech about me being a a special visitor and they took off my hat i had like a little hat because it's cold and they took my hat and they gave me um a typical hat which i still which i still have um and it was such an amazing feeling to feel so welcome and so uh, involved in their culture and it was presented to me which with such pride and i was i was totally in sync with them even though i didn't understand the language i could understand the drama yep. and i could understand the feelings mm-hmm. um, and i i really felt at that moment like there was a, a, a connection. cultural connection yeah. that I've, I've never felt anywhere else wow
1: well. Yeah, and and Daniela, that's a big thing within uh, Indian culture that guests are considered like God, and so there was no way those old ladies were going to uh, take that seat from you. It's, it's just it's the that's just the concept. Uh, you know, in Hindi, there's a specific saying, "Maman, Bhagwan Bhagwan just like guests are like God.
2: Wow, that's so beautiful, Asima, and it does remind me of one time. When we landed in this in this town, it, we, we used to launch from a place that we knew, but we didn't know where we were going to land. And once we landed close to this lady's house, and the lady came out with a jar, with, with a pitcher of water, and we had expressly been told to not drink the water. And when we, when we landed there, you know, this lady came out and had, she had a pitcher and she had two glasses of water. And she served the water and gave it to me. So I was holding the water in my hand while this lady is patting my back and calling me her son. Wow. And she's looking at me, staring at me, waiting for me to drink that water. And I'm parched, Tassim. I, I have been flying for two hours and I landed in, in this beautiful valley. But I know I can't drink the water, and, yeah, this, yeah. and this lady's looking at me. So what I do at this point is just I offer the water to God, and I just just pour it over my head. Ah, ah, ah. So and she smart. was so happy. Yeah, <laughs> and I was so happy, well and I gave her I gave her a hug, and then I bolted out of there because <laughs> you know I didn't want to have to drink the second glass of
1: water. <laughs> uh, well done. Well, so this is always what makes me feel, Daniello, that no matter what we grow up with, no matter what our cultural backdrop is, no matter what we've experienced, there is a universal language of compassion and understanding. And you spoke that brilliantly on that day. She didn't, she wasn't able to communicate with you but you understood what her energy was, what her feeling was, and you honored and respected it in a way that also honored and respected you. And this is ultimately the challenge, right? Sometimes we could be at cultural odds, but to forge a path that makes everyone feel safe and happy, there's nothing more brilliant than that. And that- it is, it
2: is all like you said, it's compassion, right? And it's, uh, it, it's all about compassion and empathy. And and I struggle my whole life, I've struggled my whole life, and I will continue to struggle to understand empathy and compassion and to be able to lose all kind of prejudice. And if there is something that I that I learned in India and I have learned from travel, is that you cannot believe that you know everything and that the way in which you do things is the only way.
1: So amazing. You're so versatile you
2: think so I appreciate it Nassim I think you're so versatile every single thing that you've told me about me about you makes me think wow Nassim really can shapeshift into every single thing but there is one core which is your incredible sensibility and your fantastic eye for talent and for art which is something that I've never had myself but i've always admired uh, in you and and something that i enjoy about my friends is really uh, surrounding myself with people that i a admire and b admire for things that i i believe that i will never have Uh, i was just not built with the type of chops and that and it's it's a wonderful thing about our friendship and something that i will treasure for the rest of my life
1: well, it's very kind of you to say, Daniela, and I think you're being too hard on yourself. because so I think you do have a, an amazing, exceptional eye.
2: And also I feel like I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a journey now that it's all about uh, self-discovery and, and, and self-healing uh, and, and keeping your health. And I really believe that what messes with your health is having regrets and having grudges, holding grudges.
1: You can't it, hold that. If you hold it, it's toxic. Uh, yeah.
2: And in that sense, I really believe that ancient medicine that tells you that you have to unblock, you know, your energy and let it flow. This type of things, holding grudges, even the word, the way you say it, hold a grudge. You're holding something. You're, you, you know, you're holding on to something when you need to release and let go.
1: But you've accomplished so much in your openness to other cultures and the way you describe my home culture it just it just um i'm so touched and so moved and i'm so fortunate to have uh, have met you
2: but it's a pleasure as always i see all of our conversations recorded or not are are wonderful <laughs> no, so I, i'm i that you recorded this one at least for for you and i to sit down and laugh one day
1: this is true, we will totally enjoy this.
0: Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar Eight at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.